today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The government has unveiled new laws in regard to impaired driving, which come into effect December 18th. Uh, federal ministers sidestepping any worries that a new strict law to curb drunk driving could threaten civil rights. The mandatory alcohol screening that takes effect December 18th allows police to demand a breath sample from any driver they lawfully stop, not just if they suspect a driver has been drinking. Uh, The roadside test could justify further investigation, including more elaborate testing at a police station. Uh, The justice minister minister says that she has every expectation the new law will be challenged in the courts, but adds uh, she is confident uh, that it is consistent with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. She says the intent is to save lives. Uh, The Canadian Civil Liberties Association has expressed concern that mandatory alcohol screening will unfairly affect racial minorities who are disproportionately singled out by police at traffic stops. Uh, to talk more about all of this and how we move forward and, and what that will change over the holidays for those that might get caught. Joseph Newberger has been with us, criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners LLP and on the line with us now. Joseph, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Scott, thank you. So uh, new laws come into effect January 18th. What is the difference between what we have now and what we will have then? It's a significant difference. So at this time, the officer can lawfully pull over a vehicle under the Highway Traffic Act to do a sobriety check. But while investigating, the officer has to uh, determine if there is reasonable suspicion in order to request a roadside breath sample. Now, a reasonable suspicion can emanate from any number of factors. It could be from an odor of alcohol coming from the driver's breath. It could be an admission of having a beer or two a couple hours ago. It could be other indicia of somebody having red eyes and looking fairly tired, which might be consistent with having consumed alcohol. And once the officer forms a reasonable suspicion, then they are lawfully authorized under the criminal code to make a demand for the roadside sample. The new law, however, will not require the officer to have any evidentiary basis whatsoever. It will be a mandatory demand. And should anybody not comply with that demand, And keep in mind, people at the roadside generally do not have access to counsel, and that has been denied uh, lawfully by several challenges, that you don't have an immediate right to counsel of choice or to speak with a duty counsel. But if somebody refuses to provide a sample, they will be charged with a criminal offense, refuse roadside sample, and can be convicted of a criminal offense and receive a fine of a minimum $2,000. Uh, so does that mean that everyone who is pulled over will be given a test or can be given a test? It's up to the discretion of the officer. There's no evidentiary basis. So if the officer wants to provide, wants a sample, he, can just, he or she can simply just ask. It is absolutely unequivocally up to their discretion. Again, there is absolutely no evidentiary basis whatsoever for that demand now under the new legislation. Why would someone give a test if they weren't suspicious in some way? Like, as you said, red eyes, smell of alcohol, what have you. Who knows? I mean, I don't want to ascribe to police officers nefarious purposes, but the way I look at it is that um, we have to be careful about whoever is pulled over by police, that there should be some evidentiary basis which has been, you know, codified either in the code or through case law, and we're eroding that. So now... Um, officers can just do what they want. And uh, people who are driving essentially will not have any rights uh, simply because they're driving. So if you're operating a motor vehicle, basically you're subject to compliance checks. 
uh, and that's the way it looks like from now on. Why not just test everyone they pull over? Well, they may. Yeah. They may. They may. Who knows? I mean, they may do it to identifiable groups. They may do it to specific individuals. They may do it to young people. They may do it more to males. I have no idea. I assume that they're going to try and come up with a uniform policy. I assume the officers will still take into consideration, you know, they might look at somebody who doesn't have any odor of alcohol, looks perfectly fine, says, I'm just coming home from work, and they may not perform it because it does take time. But the reality is, and what the public should be concerned about is, there's absolutely no evidentiary basis that an officer needs. And we are now moving to the point that if you are a driver of a vehicle, regardless of the carnage which is caused by impaired driving, Mm -hmm. I get that. But we are now moving to mandatory compliance. So uh, you really are hammering it in. The driving's a privilege. You have no rights. You're going to have to comply. Good luck. And um, I just think we're moving too far down the road of eroding civil liberties because in order for an officer to have a reasonable suspicion, it was such a low threshold, but at least provided some evidentiary basis. Now that's gone. I don't think this was necessary at all. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. Uh, Joseph, um, the the article I have is the mandatory alcohol screening that takes effect December 18th allows police to demand a breath sample from any driver they lawfully stop, not just if they suspect a driver has been drinking. That being said, what is a lawful stop? Can that be anything or is there... Does there yeah, have to be I mean, a reason? Really, under the Highway Traffic Act, the police have the right, I think it's Section 216, to pull over any vehicle to do a sobriety check. So um, that is in place. So a vehicle can be stopped and an individual can be detained. That's why there is a minimum constitutional requirement of the officer having some evidentiary basis in order to demand a body sample, you know, your breath, mm-hmm. fluid, etc. Now... The government has done away with that completely, and it's also assumed within the new legislation that came out about the marijuana legalization, which causes me great suspicion as to why the government decided to do this, because we don't have sophisticated testing in place with respect to drug impairment. In fact, we're far behind in that, and so maybe the bait-and-switch, if you don't mind being a bit cynical here, is to show that we've done something tougher on impaired driving. And I'm not discounting the fact that drunk driving has caused very serious harm uh, across this province, and we see, unfortunately, rates of charges going up. That being said, mandatory testing was unnecessary. The threshold for a minimum standard of having reasonable suspicion was fairly low, and it did protect the public. And when a demand is made at the roadside, generally an individual does not have a right to speak with counsel. They're totally on their own. So I thought a minimum standard was a no-brainer. You should absolutely have that in place. But now it's gone as of December 18th. So really, uh, as long as they're lawfully stopped, that's really... Uh, that's it. That's, uh, that's, a, that's not quite as accurate as it sounds, is it? No, I mean, you know, officers just, they can pull people over for sobriety checks. So, you know, it, people may say, look, what's the big deal? If, if you're not drinking and driving, you're yep. pulled over for a couple of minutes, what's the big deal? I, I understand our, that argument as well. But we still have to have minimum standards of civil liberties and ensure that these uh, rules are applied evenly across our spectrum of individuals in our province and across our country. And I believe in minimum evidentiary standards in order to provide bodily samples or for search and seizure. 
Uh, you talked about cannabis legislation and how that has changed things. Uh, your your point was making it look like they're doing something. Uh, does this actually give them a- another tool? Uh, they're not quite sure how to, to process this. As you said, they don't have the testing tools uh, completely in place at this point. Does this give them another reason to check what's going on? Well, I mean, they, there's, different, there's different rules that apply to sobriety checks for uh, drug impairment, and they're going to have to have some standard for that, believe it or not, and they're going to have to have officers who are they what they call them, DRE or drug recognition officers be able to apply some standards in order to demand sobriety tests. And the problem is that the science behind that is still not, in, in many opinion, to be on solid ground. In fact, the United States, several states have declared those officers that, that the evidence behind their testing is, to, is really uh, invalid. And so we're not at a stage now where we have, as far as I'm concerned, truly objective testing that can be done by an officer or any type of screening device that would give an accurate reading at the roadside. And so that's why I'm a bit cynical here when I'm thinking about the mandatory roadside sample for alcohol. You know, it's to try and address, you know, a gap that we have with respect to drug impairment. Hmm. Where is this going? I mean, obviously, uh, the Justice Minister expected, uh, has every expectation of a challenge. What's yeah. going to happen once this hits the courts? There, there will be challenges, and I have no doubt they'll start out in the lower courts when people are charged, and several, uh, several cases may have this, and it'll make its way up eventually to the Court of Appeal, and that's where we'll see a, a ruling. I, I don't know either way, because the way we've been going with respect to the, the case law on impaired driving, uh, we're seeing an erosion of... of drivers' protections of individual liberty and search and seizure disappearing simply because of the issues regarding carnage uh, in the roads, but we don't have similar issues with respect to shootings, right? So, hmm. you know, we're, we're picking one versus the other, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not optimistic about the success of a constitutional challenge, but no doubt there will be, and then the flip side of that is they're going to cause now over the next couple of years a fair amount of challenges which will clog up the courts and and create a fair amount of uh, extra work for everybody, whereas they could have just left it alone and you were seeing very few cases thrown out for an officer not having a reasonable suspicion because it's such a low threshold. Yeah, it seems like they've opened themselves up to this now. I mean, they've just opened themselves up to a, a, a an area that they feel is gray, but it sounds black and white. I know. I, this is why, you know, I'm always concerned about these types of tinkering with legislation. To me, I see it as, with all due respect to the Justice Minister, uh, political pandering to the public for votes. Mm-hmm. See, we're getting tougher on impaired driving. We're going to make it mandatory. But then the, the flip side of that is two, three years worth of constitutional applications working its way through the system, clogging the courts again when it was completely unnecessary. Well-trained officers are able to detect indicia of impairment and they can have a reasonable suspicion quite easily it was a it was like trying to straddle a baseboard it was Mm. not very hard Mm. so to me we've just created a problem for absolutely no good reason other than political uh, pandering in my opinion what about the court of public opinion where does it fit into all of this well that's it that's the government wants to try and and get out to the public that we're, we're getting harder on drinking and driving the problem is people who are getting charged with drinking and driving aren't thinking about this unfortunately they're going to the parties, they're going to the events, and they're drinking, and they're not thinking about it, unfortunately. And I, anybody who goes to do something doesn't really read up on case law to determine what may happen to them if they're caught. I always believe that public education, pouring money into public education, is extremely important. 
And we have a lot there, but we can do more. Um, and not everything has to result in criminalization as well. You know, in B.C., they were stopping people, and they had uh, people within a certain range. Instead of being criminally charged, the car was impounded. There was a very heavy fine, uh, and it was dealt with, like, under the their version of the Highway Traffic Act. It had a very good effect, but it did not result in a criminal conviction. And so I think there could have been a more inspiring more thoughtful way of, uh, in order to do this rather than to create what we will now see is a slew of constitutional challenges and, and more problems in the courts where we don't need it. Many have asked, why not just make drinking and driving illegal, no, uh, no, no. level whatsoever? Would that change things? Well, maybe, you know, I mean, zero tolerance, that's a possibility. I mean, I think it's a societal issue. I mean, Does it change the way we enforce it, though, or, or, or charge? Well, again, you'd need some sort of basis, but, you know, if it, yeah. it, it, you know, people can be impaired, people can be charged with impaired driving at a, a limit lower than 80 because their ability to operate a motor vehicle could be impaired even at a level of .05 just because of their own constitution, the way they're made up. So it's there for somebody to be charged. I think setting out a, a minimum standard is just a recognition that people go out, they have a glass of wine with dinner, they go to a a baseball game or a hockey game and have a couple of beers, and I don't think we should be doing that, especially now that we're legalizing marijuana the way we are. So, you know, I, you know, I, I think we've gone in a different direction. I just think we should have been careful about what type of rights we want to take away from individuals for really no purpose, in my opinion. Uh, interesting email. Isn't this the same as carding? Not quite. Carding is really based on identifying a specific group and pulling them over really without or stopping them without any basis whatsoever. We have the Highway Traffic Act here, which allows uh, the officers to stop vehicles for sobriety checks and for any a number of other purposes. But they can officers will have a broad discretion now to administer those tests as they see fit. And so the concern of the person who's the listener might be that it will be uh, uh, disproportionately used on an identifiable group as opposed to others. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. Um, and carting you know, is regulated by the uh, Police Services Act now, and you've seen that really go by the wayside. Um, there, the instance of that has really dropped significantly. But isn't that sort of blanket checking everybody? Isn't this the same thing? Carding, carding wasn't checking everybody. It was checking identifiable groups, frankly. There was a lot of discrimination involved in it. Um, this is probably going to apply across the board, in my opinion. I don't think officers are going to be pulling over identifiable groups uh, to check for sobriety just based on color, race, or religion. Um, my my concern more is about the erosion of civil liberties to a level where there is no evidentiary standard whatsoever when it wasn't necessary to do that. Joseph Newberger has been with us, criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners LLP. Fascinating discussion, Joseph. Time will tell. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.